I like blue aliens that I cannot lie. All you other readers can't deny. When Masaka walks in with that big blue waist and that little spur in your face, we get fired because we're talking about this. (laughs) Did you enjoy that? (laughs) Okay. So in case you, dear listeners, have not guessed what we are talking about, in case we have not made our excitement clear, we are talking about Ruby Dixon and Ice Planet Barbarians. <laughs> Jen is still dying in the background. <laughs> but yes, uh, so if you are ready to learn all about blue aliens, space romance, resonance, and some other crazy things along the way, buckle in tight because it's going to be a fun ride. Hey there, romance nerds! Welcome to another episode of Raging Romantics. I'm Jen. I'm Jackie. We are librarians at Northern Onondaga Public Library, and we are also romance nerds. Now, if you're wondering what this podcast is about, wait for it. Romance! Specifically, the romance genre of books. We are going to be talking about anything and everything having to do with romance. The genre, the tropes, anything and everything. So with that being said, sometimes our material will be a little too sensitive for younger readers. If you feel the need to wait until they go to bed, we will be here for you. We would also like to issue just a general trigger warning for some of the things that we do talk about. We will always try to issue specific trigger warnings for each episode so that you know what you're getting into. Now, without further ado, are you ready, Jen? Oh, I've been ready, Jackie. All right. Let's rage. Hey, Jackie. Yes. I actually don't have a joke that tops that. That was too good. <laughs> good. I'm glad. I won. really failed. Like, I should have been a better hype man, so I just want to apologize for that. <laughs> That's okay. You were dying laughing in the background. I enjoyed it. <laughs> I'm so cool, guys. <laughs> Before we begin, I want to say, Happy New Year! Woo! We made it! Sort of. We did. Well, so we're recording this actually the week before Christmas, but it comes out on New Year's Day. So, A, happy Christmas, happy Hanukkah, happy Kwanzaa, happy general holidays, festive greetings. Like, thank God 2020 is over. We have made it through. I am officially old too, by the way, now. Yay. <laughs> Welcome to your 30, flirty, and thriving. I'm still not happy about it. My best friend turns 30 January 4th, too. So look at that. (laughs) A lot of changes. A lot of good changes coming. Yes, yes. And what better way to kick off a beautiful year than with a beautiful series of books about beautiful blue barbarians? (laughs) I mean, that sounds the way I want to bring in the new year. Right? Oh, my gosh. It's awesome. Okay, so we're going to do it. We're going to jump in. Do you guys want to know the mythology behind me and Jackie? Oh, God. Go for it. Me and Jackie started talking, really, because I told her to read Ruby Dixon. Yes. So this is a very special series. This is what started it all. Yeah. We were working on the pop-up truck, which, Jen, we have a library pop-up truck. It's amazing. Bookmobile. Yeah, the bookmobile. And I was Jen's assistant. I was not a librarian at the time. And she was like, hey, have you ever read Blue Alien Romance? And I go, what are you talking about? And it started a beautiful thing. It really did. That was my test for how cool she would be. (laughs) And I passed with flying colors because now I read more of it than she does. (laughs) Only because I'm too excited. Fair enough. Fair enough. (laughs) (laughs) 
I don't understand that, but it's the same reason you get mad at me because I don't read everything on my to be read shelf. Because you don't keep track. That's what makes me crazy. I can't judge you accurately if I don't know what you've read. Well, I kind of know what I read. If I don't remember what I read, then I can reread it again and be just as surprised by it. It's great. It's great. So yeah, we are going to be talking about Ruby Dixon, who is, this is actually a pen name for an author. We don't know who the quote unquote real person behind Ruby Dixon is. Jen and I have our theories about who she may be, they may be, uh, but we nobody knows. Nobody knows. <laughs> I feel kind of gross probing too hard because she obviously wants her privacy. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. See what I did there? Sorry. <laughs> Because I imagine if I was an author and I wanted my privacy, I'd be pretty annoyed at these two lame nerd podcasters who were like, ooh, who do you think, do you think it's this? I like put my little clues together. <laughs> I put my reading glasses on and I see. <laughs> so if you want our theories, take us out for cheesecake when COVID is over. Yeah. Jackie will tell you all about hers. I'll get way too excited and then probably fall off my chair and then Jen will laugh at me. It's great fun. <laughs> but before we get too far into this too I do want to say this is a bit of a different romance novel than we've a romance genre than we've talked about before so keep an open mind and if you don't like it that's fine you don't have to read it just don't go hating on it if you don't like it there's my little caveat to this whole discussion is that a good caveat Jen I think it's an okay caveat. I would say there are some flaws. So if you're going to critically discuss those flaws for it. But I don't want to hear anybody be like, oh, they're blue aliens. It's so stupid. Yeah, no, don't. Don't knock until you try it, folks. Okay. Ruby Dixon is, like I said, she... We don't know who she is. She's supposedly a New York Times bestselling traditional writer by day. And by night, under her pen name, she is a bestselling independent writer of sci-fi romances. That's over so 66 individual works, by my math. Mm-hmm. I'm terrible at math, but by my math, it's 66. Somebody said 96, and I don't know where they got that. You know, that's kind of cool. She's like an adult Hannah Montana. <laughs> So the main series that Jen and I are going to be talking about in this episode, Ruby Dixon has written a lot. And we obviously we want to talk about all the stuff that she writes, but that's difficult to do because she has written so much. So we're going to focus primarily on her Ice Planet Barbarian series and her Ice Home series. Ice Planet Barbarians is her original storyline, which is 18, I think at the most recent count, 18 individual stories, not including like novellas that are like book 4.5 or something like that. And they all focus on relationships between human women and sacqui males with some exceptions. Don't worry. We'll get into definitions here in a moment. Hold tight. I'll explain all. (laughs) Hold on folks. Ice home (laughs) is a spinoff of ice planet barbarians where we have some new characters. It's not necessarily all the same species it's not all sacqui males again hold on we'll get into explaining this in two seconds um but it is still mostly human females and they're still on the same planet in the same universe etc you know i think there's only one non-human female right or two Two. there's two in the entire two series yeah it's asha and the um the other one one. yeah starts with an f i can't remember (laughs) barley yeah barley there we go Mm f-a-r-l-i 
Her other series that Ruby Dixon has published under her are Corsairs, which is, it's about the same Spice pirates. Spice pirates. Spice pirates. Space pirates, Jackie. Space parrots. I like that better. Spice parrots. <laughs> so, yes. Oh, God, now I can't say it. Space See? pirates. Um, if you grew up like me and you love Firefly, Star Trek, Star Wars, all those things, this is the series for you. It all takes place on spaceships, and it's amazing. End of story. Her other story, her uh, her other series, she also has one called Reese Diverse, which is a further spinoff, and it takes place in the same universe, but on another planet. Women are fugitives. They're trying to escape slavery. Trigger warning for this whole discussion. There's going to be a lot of talk about... Um, slavery especially sex slave trade um Mm -hmm. there's gonna be a lot of forced consent dubious consent forced consent not between hero and heroine but definitely dubious consent we'll talk about that they've got some bad pasts there are some things there are some things they did not get to space because they were on a fun vacation no 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 we'll we'll talk about that in a second too you know you want to know my favorite series what the fireblood dragon series we love dragons (laughs) Oh my god, I love this series so much, guys. I have not finished it because I can't handle it. I'm too excited for it. <laughs> this is true. I was trying to talk to her the other day about one, and I got really excited. And she was like, what are you talking about? What, I, I don't know what that is. And then she gave a fake laugh, and I was like, you haven't read this yet, have you? I just, I'm so excited to read it that I love the anticipation of waiting to read it. And I love the thrill of knowing, oh my god, I'm, gonna, I'm in for a really good story. Because this is based around an apocalyptic world where there is kind of like this force shield that fell between these two worlds and dragons are suddenly all across the earth, uh, destroying everything. So it's a really fun take on an apocalypse story. Actually, it's not a zombie or a plague dragons. (laughs) It's dragons. And of course they end up being shape-shifting dragons. Yes. Yeah. It's a, it's a fun one. We'll talk about that eventually. It's like a fun game of Thrones without, uh, as much rape or stupid clothing. Yeah. It's just the dragons. Yeah. Yeah. And then her newer series that she's actually started, these are really long works. It's The Gods. I don't remember mm-hmm. the entire like name. Oh, look, I can look it up. Um, it's yeah. Aspect and Anchor. And right now there are only two books in the series. And the premise of this is it's set on like a super, it's hyper fantasy. It's hyper like out there. It's crazy. Human women are taken to be anchors for gods who are flesh incarnate, which is actually incarnate means in flesh. So, yeah, fun times. And they have to, like, be the morality to the gods as the gods try to, like, I don't know. It's crazy. It's wild. I still don't understand it. That's all. And she's got these two that are still good. Uh, I really like her shifter series. It's completely different from anything else she's written. It's exactly what it sounds like. They're bear shifters. Mm -hmm. It's very small. It's only the four books. And in the beginning of her career, she had done these MC novels. Can you say what an MC is? MC is a motorcycle club, Jackie. Yeah, zoom, zoom. So they are heroes that belong to a motorcycle club, and this can either be a legal, fun kind of club, or they could be a darker brand of hero and be in something like Sons of Anarchy. And I really think if you look at, so Bedlam Butcher's MC was like where Ruby Dixon first emerged into the Kindle Unlimited scene. And I think if we look at that and then Bear Bites, which is her shifter series as her Mm -hmm. OG, like, sci-fi paranormal series and you combine the two it's very easy to see how she went from writing those how she went to writing blue aliens in space it's an interesting journey i like it it's a good journey to have been on i really enjoyed 
the shifter books. The butchers were okay. It's very much having read the the aliens after. I, she's improved so much mm-hmm. with her writing. And even just like binge reading. So to get ready for this, Jen and I have been, or at least I have been, I know Jen started to like reread the whole Ice Planet Barbarian series. Mm-hmm. And it's really interesting to go from the very first one up to the more current ones and just to see in a very short time span. Because these are only like 200, 250 page books. And she does publish them every month. That's, well, she's supposed to. Sometimes things happen. It's understandable. She does her best. Yeah, she does. She does. And it's really interesting, even just to see in the short amount of time since she's been writing Nice Plane of Barbarians, how much her storyline and her writing style has evolved and how much it has improved. And it was already pretty good in the beginning, but she's got all these fun things that I really appreciate now just reading it I just there's so much to love guys there is there is before we begin the majority of these are available well okay so they are all available on kindle unlimited I think except for the bear bites I don't think those are available on there anymore but you can read all of Ice Planet Barbarians all of Ice Home on kindle unlimited this means that Ruby Dixon is an independently published author Mm -hmm. as far as we know and something that's really fun about her too is she is very active on her Facebook page. If you go on, she publishes like chapters at a time of her upcoming yeah. works. So like she has Corsair's book number five, which I am so excited about. And she's slowly like posting chapters of that online. It reminds me a lot of um, Wattpad almost. A little bit. She started doing it because of COVID and she thought it would just be yeah. kind of like a little fun thing for people to look forward to. And it ended up ballooning into these massive stories that she does go ahead and publish after it's all said and done. Uh, they're really good. She started with When She Purrs in the beginning of quarantine. Oh, so good. That Reason one's excellent. Yeah. Uh, so good. So good. It, it does give me something to look forward to. Yeah. When She <laughs> Dances, which is in Reasonverse, I think is my ultimate favorite book so far Ruby Dixon has ever written. Wow. It is so, so, so good. I loved it so much. And it was also a cyborg hero. So I was like, oh yeah, I like this. <laughs> yeah, I know, but okay. Jen and I are going to be focusing on Ice Planet Barbarians and Ice Home for this Ruby Dixon month. A, because it's January and we're freezing our butts off in upstate New York. So we're living on our own ice planet. <laughs> and No blue aliens. Yeah, B, because we, uh, yeah, unfortunately there are no blue aliens. I wish, maybe, maybe not. I don't know. 2021, we don't want aliens. No. Oh God, don't send fate. Unless they're fun. We don't get to release this because blue aliens did invade. <sighs> oh God. If you're hearing this, then we've made it to January. <laughs> so close. So close. Okay. Let's jump in. Put oh, your please. space suits on. Get that mm. oxygen strapped in. Get your parasite in your chest. You'll understand that reference in a minute. <laughs> we are going to the Ice Planet Barbarian world. That's my space travel music. You like it? Thanks. Ice Planet Barbarians. I'm going to give you a little bit of an intro so you guys understand a little more about what we're talking about because this is a sci-fi. There is a lot, a lot of world building that went into this and that continue to go continues to go into and this. Speaking of that, since you said it's sci-fi, I just want to make it really clear. I hate sci-fi. I am not a sci-fi fan. I have never seen Star Wars and I've made it a vow to never see it. Just because I've already gone 29 years. I want to see how far I can stretch that. But this is probably the one sci-fi series, book, whatever, that I've actually really enjoyed and loved. So I know we're going to talk a lot about sci-fi. There's going to be some weird kind of sci-fi terms that I know would turn me off. Uh, just keep with it. Give it a chance. 
as a sci-fi hater, this is such a good series. And if you're a sci-fi nerd like me, oh my God, it's so good. There's going to be a lot of Star Trek references that I make and Star Wars. So let's start off by saying that in Ruby Dixon's universe, Earth has not yet made it to space. We are not space travelers. It is, if you've watched Star Trek, a class D planet. Uh, meaning that it is strictly off limits to other races and species within space. So nobody can visit Earth because we haven't yet gone out into space. If you've ever seen Star Trek Into Darkness, when the crew of the Enterprise tries to save that one planet with the exploding volcano and then they end up revealing their spaceship to this primitive species, well, that's kind of the same thing that happens in Ruby mm -hmm. Dixon, but not really. So human females, especially when they're aged 22, so like when they're 22 years old, they are highly desirable to, uh, to the rest of the universe and to species across the galaxy for, trigger warning, sorry, the rampant sex slave trade that happens in space. It's black market. Not fun. Not fun at all. Yes, it is very black market. because yeah, so It's not like all these aliens are super no. thrilled about it. There are laws against this, but, you know, like with any other black market, uh, these aliens find workarounds. Yeah, and it's mostly two species of aliens that are doing the abducting. You'll hear them referred to as the basketball-headed orange aliens. Mm -hmm. And then they're like little green frog-looking aliens. So the frog ones are the ones who are like the masterminds. The orange basketball-headed aliens are the ones that aren't the good guys. They're like the brutes, pretty much. So when the series opens, a bunch of human women have been abducted. They are in the belly of the spaceship and bad stuff happens. It's not a good yeah. opening. I do think we should warn them. Again, trigger warning for rape. One of the women yeah. does get uh, raped by the aliens. So in hindsight, if I had known, I probably would have just skipped the first chapter. Yeah. It's not graphic. I think it's just to demonstrate um, how brutal what world they're about to go into is. So it ends up being kind of a... I guess kind of almost a blessing in disguise when their ship crashes on yeah. what appears to be this really scary ice planet. And it's freezing cold. Like it's so cold. Freezing cold. Way colder than anything in Syracuse. It's 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 Arctic Circle level cold. There mm -hmm. is snow everywhere. And Star Wars reference number one. If you've ever seen Star Wars, the second like original Star Wars, Jen, I know you haven't, it's fine. Wow. This is where Luke is stuck out on the frozen tundra. Han goes to find him, finds him hypothermic in the snow. He cuts open the belly of the beast and shoves Luke inside Hoth, the planet Hoth. This is not Hoth. <laughs> That's the type of planet they are on. It looks like Hoth from Star Wars. And so right off the bat, one of the characters is like, yeah, it's not Hoth. <laughs> so that is the planet they are on. We don't have any other name for it besides not Hoth. Mm -hmm. And it's it's a frozen ice planet. That's about it. <laughs> yeah, there's not a lot going on there. There's some species that can survive, and they have adapted to live on the planet. Mm -hmm. It's not necessarily a planet, though, that I think ever hosted native life. Well, it does. No, it does host native life Eventually. because there are trees, there are fish. Oh, that kind of. Oh, sorry, I was thinking like humanoid life. Yeah, no, there's no humanoid species the metlacks which are kind of like yeti things mm -hmm. are the closest we get and they might have some sign language we find out later in the series but they aren't they aren't critical thinkers i almost took them to be as kind of the middle of an evolutionary chart yeah so like yeah a couple of million years they could maybe they're very much so australopithecus yeah for sure 
Glad yeah. I have the nerd here. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> yeah, my inner anthropologist also loves this because there's so many like anthropology things we could talk about. I'm like, let's just, and we let's. But yeah, so they're on this planet and they send out, they're like, they crash landed, okay? They are bruised, they are broken, they are getting sicker as the day goes on. So they send out in the first book our heroine, Georgie, who is the intrepid explorer who goes out to try to find help. That is all she's trying to do. She's trying to find help. She's trying to find water. She's trying to find something warm, somewhere warm where these survivors can go to. And she discovers that there is life on the planet. We're not alone out there. <laughs> We're not alone out there. Is that a sci-fi when... Did I make a sci-fi joke? You did. I'm yeah, proud of you. I did it. Good job. Good job. When she is trapped by a very interesting looking hero. Ooh, who's the hero? And this, this is when we get to learn our blue barbarians. <laughs> so our blue barbarians are the blue aliens who inhabit this planet. We find out, so spoiler alert, we found out later in the book that they aren't native to the planet. This isn't where they evolved to be um they were actually survivors of a crash landing themselves like eons ago like thousands yeah. years ago it's questionable how long because you know time space continuum makes time really funky and we don't know how long things are compared to earth but anyways so it's it's long enough that they don't remember anything else yeah yeah they don't have a written language they still have the crash spaceship that their people urgently crashed on the planet with which was like a pleasure cruiser yeah cruiser. but they don't know that it's a spaceship they call it the elder no. cave yeah it's very much elder's cave yeah it's very much uh neanderthal-esque society it's very caveman they live in caves they animal pelts fire no electricity that sort of fun stuff okay these blue aliens are formerly known as the Sakwi, modified Sak, and the Sakwi means that they are the people of the Kui. We'll get to the Kui in a second. Hold on to that. <laughs> they are tall. They're very tall. All of them. Like seven feet. Yeah. So they're between six and seven feet. Seven foot two, I think, is like the tallest hero that we get in the entire series. They're very tall. They're very blue. They're shades of blue, though. That's the important part. Fifty shades of blue. They have <laughs> four fingers, four toes, sweeping ram's horns. Um, they have long tails. They're like flatter faces. They don't because they make a big point of talking about how the human noses like point out so far, or like how our foreheads are more sloping than theirs. I don't know. I'm terrible with like describing how people look. So I'm just, I envision the Navi from um, Avatar and yeah. that's, that's probably kind of what I get. That's okay. Yeah. Yeah. And um, they have a little fun surprise. The, they, they have a very fun surprise. <laughs> the men, the men have a fun surprise. The males of the species. Um, we're going to let you discover that on your own in the I'm, book. You know, they're, uh, it's for her pleasure. It is. They are. It is definitely. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so if you're if you're intrigued, be prepared for an extra little little bit, little bit. <laughs> yeah. Okay. But most importantly, their species on the planet, the Sakwi, are endangered they are down to i think like 24 when the book opens there are 20 males and four women 
And the four women, there are two older women and two, like, they call their children kits, K-I-T-S, like a fox kit. Um, so there are two younger kit girls. Mm-hmm. Um, really nobody of mating age, no mating age females, which is important for the line of the story because now they suddenly have all these human women landing. <laughs> Salvation of the species. Exactly. And the reason that there's so few women is because I think they say like six to eight years before the book opens, there was a sickness that swept through, a quee sickness that killed out the majority of their people. I mean, that's a lot of the, to anything that's happening right now. No, no, not at all. It killed a lot of the older, the sick, a lot of the women because a lot of the men were out hunting. So they didn't get sick while the other ones who were back at the caves did get sick. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, it's looking pretty dire for the Sakwi. And that brings us to the cootie. <gasps> Our the fun little parasite. This yes. is how people survive on the ice planet. Yeah. So sciencey talk coming up at you. The atmosphere of Nothoff is slightly hypoxic. It's not good for humans. It's toxic air. You survive when you first land, but eight days later you will die if you don't get what is referred to as the Kui, K-H-U-I. And this is a little tiny fun parasite, but a good parasite, not like a tapeworm, that lives in every single living creature on Not Hoth, as far as we, the reader, know. And it is a symbiote. It helps you survive on the planet. It helps you heal faster. It helps you to, you know, tolerate the cold, all that sort of fun stuff. But most importantly... It helps you resonate. Yes. Resonate, Jackie. A resonate. A resonance. What? A resonance (laughs) is where we get the faded mate trope, insta-love, insta-lust, all those things piling together to create the ultimate romance atmosphere. (laughs) So. (laughs) Romance atmosphere. Romance atmosphere. It's a romantic atmosphere. The atmosphere is going to kill you. Yeah, exactly. Um, So the Kui lives inside your body, and it is unique to you. The Kui is biologically, anthropologically speaking, it is meant to further the species and to help you survive on not off. So technically speaking, then, it is going to seek that you propagate said species, right? So what happens when the Kui decides that there is a biological mate that is best suited to the propagation of the species near you, it starts to purr <laughs> inside of you. Like full on <laughs> going on. And the best part is your mate will purr back at you. <laughs> so the book opens and well, so the first book, no, none of the human women have a queen until the end because they have to decide if they want to stay, you know, if, well, they have to stay, but they have to decide if they want to take the queen, if they will accept this, if they're open to like having a mate and all that sort of stuff going on. And so the second book opens up and everybody's purring at one another. There is like resonance, left, <laughs> right, center. The heroine goes, who's purring? But this is where a lot of people start to have some issues with Ruby Dixon, mostly because of the idea that it is forcing, quote unquote, a mate upon you. It is making you, not even marry, it's making you decide that you want to have a baby, even if maybe you didn't want to have a baby before you got onto the planet. It's 
quote unquote, making you want to have relations with these blue aliens. The heroines have been really lucky so far. Ruby Dixon has not written a, a heroine that doesn't want children. So no. at least there is that. We're not having these really existential questions of, oh, you wanted to be childless. Now you have to have a child. I don't know. I think there are other soulmate tropes where people are drawn to each other. I think this is just a very extreme version of that. And I think as the series goes on and the series, the species is a little more guaranteed and a little more safe, the, the resonance actually dies down a bit. So it yeah. happens when you're emotionally ready when you've come to some realization with the other people. It's not always like this instantaneous thing. I think it was mm. this instantaneous thing in the first book because it was so dire for the species. Right. It seems like the cooties almost communicate with each other somehow i'm not sure how else they know that the numbers are really low that they need to secure more young if they're mm -hmm. gonna have a chance to survive right it makes sense too because as the series goes on too you start to see that resonance doesn't happen right away right. so in the first like in the first couple of books resonance like i said it's instantaneous like the mm -hmm. second someone gets a quee they start resonating with one of the sacri yes. males basically but as the series goes on and more Sakui start being ready to be of mating age and more human women come in because of course more human women come in. It resonance starts taking longer and longer. And a lot of the time too, you'll see that the characters, either the hero or the heroine, they are like really feeling for this person. They want to resonate to them. And then eventually they do. It just takes some kind of emotional overcoming of an issue. Yeah. And that's a lot of times, too, I think, where we can start maybe to overwrite this argument of, well, the cootie's making them. It's the cootie a lot of times will wait until there's, like, a physical issue that has been overcome. So one of the characters has an IUD when she lands on the planet, which means that's birth control. You can't have a baby. Right. So they wait until the IUD falls out, and then she's ready to have a baby. And so that's when she starts to resonate. Or, actually, she still waits. I yeah. mean, it's not necessarily, like, it's not like a sex pollen trope where you have to have sex or die, and it's, like, an immediate thing. Um, sometimes you can kind of last for a month or so. I think that specific couple, they lasted about a month. They were getting sicker and weaker. Yeah. So it's not, yeah. like... The best, so the best book, so Ice Planet Barbarians was a spinoff series. There are 18 books in that, and then Ice Home is a spinoff series from that. It takes place at a different location on Not Hoth, but it's still, like I said, the same characters. The best-rated book in the entire series is one where they deny resonance because yeah. um, the Sakwi, the male, gets sick, and so the female, the human woman, has the healer turn their Kui off so that they can't resonate to each other so that he has time to heal and not worry about resonance. And that's the best rated book. So I wonder if some of this is Ruby Dixon responding to some of those early earlier problems that mm. people had with the book. So she is writing kind of these loopholes in it where it's like, okay, if you're really not ready, it's not like this guy is going to rape you. Right. Okay, there's a difference between these guys and the aliens that kidnapped you. Yes. These are gentlemen. Through, okay. So for the most part, <laughs> there are some uh, dickish ones, shall we say. Speaking of that, I mean, it's, it is amazing that she did create this entire race of mostly men that do not understand concepts of violence against women. They don't understand rape at all. One of the heroines is trying to describe to them what happened to them, and they just it's not even crossing their mind that that's possible, that that's a thing. They're like, well, if they don't want you, like, of course, like, don't you don't touch a woman like that. 
I mean, she ended up making these, uh, like, innocently feminist men. Mm-hmm. Kind of. I don't know if that's a good way to describe it exactly. Well, so even when they aren't feminists, so I'm thinking of Liz's story, Liz and Rahosh. Mm-hmm. So the second book in the series where Liz wants to be a hunter. Like, she grew up in Oklahoma. She's a farm girl. She hunts, all that sort of stuff. And he's like, you're a woman. Women don't hunt. And even then, it's not because he's being chauvinistic and women can't do what men do. No, it's because he wants to protect her and he wants mm-hmm. to keep her safe because there are so few women. So they have to keep the ones that they have safe as possible. In the end, she ends up being able to hunt. She kicks and that butt. One, and that one too, he'd had a bad story with his mother dying. Too. And his dad taking them away. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So there is, that's something we should talk about, is forced consent and dubious consent in these books. Because they're huge, especially in the first book. Mm-hmm. So the first book, spoiler alert. Uh, <laughs> it's yeah, a big one. Let, let you word this, Jackie, because I okay. have a way I word it, okay. but I don't think you like it. Probably not. So the first book, like yeah. I said, Georgie goes off to save the day, and she's trapped by one of the Sakwi. Um, his name is Vectal, and he is V-E-K-T-A-L, Vectal. He is the hero of the first book. And she's passed out cold. He has no idea what she is. She's just like, she kind of looks like him, but not really. She's really pale and pink and she's cold and her eyes look weird because they don't have the quee glow in them. Oh yeah, when you have the quee, your eyes glow like neon blue. Mm-hmm. And he's worried about her. Ooh, my voice cracked. <laughs> he's worried about her. So he takes her to a cave to help her heal. And her scent is just, it draws him in. Mm-hmm. It excites him. And um, he decides to find out where the scent is coming from. <laughs> they make it so And <laughs> she <laughs> wakes up to him doing things to her. Oh, Jackie, we're adults here. He wakes her up by going down on her while she's still asleep. Yeah. And she wakes up and, and then, loves it. Yeah. I mean, she is a little like, well, I don't think a, a rapist would be doing this to me necessarily it seems really nice this feels really good but i completely understand people when they're like no this is wrong he should not be doing this she doesn't know him she's asleep she's unconscious this isn't consensual yes those are all valid arguments i feel like the genres have a different role for within romance the things i would judge this book i wouldn't necessarily apply to other things if that Mm -hmm. makes sense so for me i don't know because of the whole world it didn't I understand people's problems with it, but for me, I ended up overlooking it. I don't know if that makes me a bad person or not, but I think the way no. it was written, for me, it was okay. It's, we're, I mean, we're already talking about aliens, right? We're already on an asteroid planet in right. the middle of an ice belt. It's freezing cold. There's already things that we don't know. And I think a lot of the people have issues with this because it does open so strongly on such like a thing that people could very well be that readers could very well be against and upset by and triggered and yeah and definitely triggered for me it was okay but I completely understand with people who can't read the series or have to skip certain parts I think there's a lot of time online there's advice where you just skip the first book entirely because of that scene yeah and while I don't necessarily recommend skipping the first book I would say you can definitely skip like, you can skim read, for mm-hmm. sure, like, the first five chapters until Vectal and Georgie end up going back. And it turns to be so cute because they're trying to communicate with each other, but they don't know the same language. And he's so worried about her, and he knows, okay, well, this is definitely my mate, but clearly something's wrong with her, so I have to help her. And, you know, she'll feel the, the cutie, too. Yeah, it's handled very well, I will say. 
and then even the rest of the series, while well, there's still some, I, there's still some dub con, dubious consent that goes on. So a lot of the times they'll do what's called they'll force resonate, force resonance, where mm-hmm. they kidnap. Trigger warning, sorry. They kidnap the heroine and like take her away to a cave so she can't escape. <laughs> a lot of the time, so they can like they can force resonance because they figure they're in a close proximity to each other. It's gonna happen. Sometimes it does, sometimes it doesn't. One of my favorite books, it doesn't, and it turns out to be someone else, and it's great. Yeah. Um, but even in that case, it turns out to be really handled well because Ruby Dixon makes the heroine like really strong, really competent, and able to stand up for herself. And the male, the Sakwi, still will not force himself upon the female. Right. The one time they did have a like a bad Sakwi, he was basically ostracized um he i think, he had I think we're talking about the same one yeah of Ra- no of um Rahosha's father oh yeah 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 so Rahosha's father probably the only genuinely like quote-unquote bad one and yeah. he was not accepted by the tribe he was kind of thrown out he had to run away um well so he took and he his, kidnapped his wife and son yeah his mate didn't uh, so his mate resonated to him once they had a son together she didn't like him because she was in love with someone else which so that's something you can still have what i think they call them love mates, pleasure mates yeah they call them pleasure mates um so you can still have them you just won't resonate to them and there won't be the option to have children the opportunity to have children it's only if your queen resonates can you have a child together in the second book we learn that in the past rahush who is the hero his father kidnapped his his mate Rahusha's mother when she resonated to him a second time and she didn't want to so he kidnapped her took him took Rahusha's father took himself Rahush and Rahusha's mom out into the wilderness to live where his mom like couldn't get away she had a second child things happen mom dies Rahush gets taken back to the cave and Rahusha's brother that spoiler alert gets uh gets raised in the wild until he's eight and his dad dies and he turns into Tarzan. Yeah. It's <laughs> a great. good way to put it. I actually really enjoyed that story. I think it's book three is Rook's story. I will say that these are not necessarily standalones. You do have to read these pretty much in order. It helps. I think it does help a lot. Yeah. Because it all builds on each other and she will introduce these catastrophes that happen and I mean, you don't want to be spoiled. I think it's a really beautiful story that unfurls. We do get the spinoff series from Ice Planet Barbarians, mm-hmm. and we're able to do that because there is the continued slave trade that goes on in the rest of the universe. So right. more human women keep getting dropped off mm-hmm. at the planet because it becomes like a it becomes a rescue planet of sorts. I don't know about that. I think that's more of the other series. This one, it's kind of a plot device where they yeah. either find women in stasis. I one of the ones who doesn't understand what he's doing. He accidentally buys some. And then things happen. And then you find out in one of the spinoffs that there's a whole new race of people to discover. Yes, there's a whole other part of Not Hoth that is actually warm and has greenery. But then it explodes. So, <laughs> so yeah. they don't get to enjoy it very long. Yeah. I will say but something I admire greatly about Ruby Dixon is the fact that she builds this entire world and she's able to continue adding on to it in a very almost believable way. Yeah. It's fun. It's a lot like of fun. she doesn't add any of these really crazy things, but it's very likely that 
you know, this is a massive planet. There's lots of people, lots of things around that you don't understand or see because they don't have the technology to know it and earthquakes and yeah. I don't know, it makes, it's not anything crazy. You would really have to stretch your mind. You've already stretched your mind enough to think that this exists. Yeah. And to take in the characters that are happening. Yeah, it's not a massive leap to be like, oh yeah, there could be a warm island in the middle of the planet with a volcano that explodes and exactly. refugees almost who now yeah. have to live on not like on Nothoth with the rest of them. Yes, so Ice Home takes place. Um, they're away from the original caves where, like, Ice Planet Barbarians, the series takes place. And Ice Home takes place on the beach. There are more human women. There are more Sakui. And importantly, there are other characters that you get from other planets who are also part of the slave trade. We get a dragon, which is where we get a tie-in to the dragon's universe. <laughs> we get... Um, a gladiator who kind of looks like a giant cat. <laughs> Which you get a lot of gladiators, actually. Yeah. So that ties into the Reesdiverse and the Corsairs. And then we also get, I don't know, there's a lot of different characters that come in. I mean, we could really go into it. They're probably the biggest group, though, is these other characters like the, the original aliens, but they have more arms. Yeah, so there's, um, on the island, that is a volcanic island, there are three different tribes, and they all have different uh, characteristics. So there's the Tallhorn tribe, they have, like, extra, extra tall horns. Tallhorn, aka. There's Shadowcat, where they have four arms. And then there's another tribe, I don't remember, but they can camouflage. Mm -hmm. uh, and they end up having to be refugees when the island explodes. And so they come to the planet, which would suck going from like this tropical paradise to <laughs> ice planet, but they take it in stride. And it's really interesting to see how they interact with the Sakui and the humans. Yeah. It's just really fun. I mean, I think that's really what all of this is boiling down to. Ruby Dixon is just so good at world building. Yes. And then I think, the stuff she does take very seriously, it ends up being the characters themselves and their issues. Mm -hmm. So you get these really beautiful stories of people overcoming problems previously in their life. There's this great story with this character who has like really bad anxiety and the way she exists accepted by people is beautiful. So she takes that aspect really seriously and then everything else is ridiculous and it's really fun. Yeah, something that both Jen and I really love is how inclusive and diverse this series, all of these series, really are. So Ruby Dixon not only writes characters with physical disabilities, but she writes about like mental health issues, um, post-traumatic stress disorder. One of the characters in Ice Home loses both of his legs, and or just one, I don't remember. It's one or both, I don't remember. Um, and he has to like learn how to walk again and the heroine has severe anxiety disorder and so it's really interesting and that's actually one of the best rated books in the series too debbie's something something we'll talk about it next time debbie's distraction debbie's distraction thank you and it's just so nice to see so many different things being represented and so well handled right i will say if you want to say it's a flaw, they are very heteronormative. Mm. But the way the cootie works is you're probably not going to get any like gay couples resonating with each other. I was going to say, it's as we talked about, the cootie's purpose is to further the species, pretty much. Right. And it's going to be difficult to see a same-sex couple or LGBTQA plus couple come in. I mean, if anybody could do it, Ruby Dixon could do it. She would make it work. And my theory would be... 
that just because you renaissance 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 resonate (laughs) i think they she still makes it very clear that people who can't have the cootie or can't uh procreate can still have love stories so there's the there's this one really nice one gail's family where she's an older woman he's an older man and even though they're never going to resonate with each other they still fall in love and they still have a really nice story i will say it's amazing that they still somehow managed to give her a baby yeah that's probably annoying it does really the real failing if there is one is it's pretty much impossible for anybody to be childless on this planet yeah everybody ends up having a family which is great if you want that and it makes sense in this world where everybody's really stressed out about continuing their species, but that would be the one criticism I have. That's a like a major criticism. Yeah. I do want to see a series come down the road from Ruby Dixon eventually where it is the offspring of this like blended. So the stock queen, the human, the blended offspring. I want that series. She's talked a lot about what she thinks the kids are going to be like on Facebook. Mm-hmm. So I, they, she's like Georgie's daughter is probably going to end up being the chief, and she's had like these cute little stories about that and what she thinks will happen to them. I mean, it's stuff she's talked about. Whether or not she'll write about it, I know she said she will write Ice Planet books as long as people are buying them. Oh, forever. Yes. Yeah, so <laughs> eventually, I think she'd have to. I know. I just, it's, it's great, and it's always something different to read. For me, it's definitely a comfort read. Like I, I've reread the first couple. Like I think I'm now on my fourth rereading of this series. And especially when Corona went down, like, I was like, I'm going to reread all of Ice Planet and everything else by Ruby Dixon. It's great. And that's what I did for a month. I reread everything. And you know, one thing I really love thinking about it now that we're talking, I read this great phrase the other day that in romance, it's not unexpected when men do emotional labor. And that's part of the appeal. Mm. These men do physical labor. Mm -hmm. They do emotional labor. They do, uh, you know, they work from home. (laughs) From uh, Fifth Harmony. They're really... I feel like like the the ideal caveman. Yeah. If you were going to have a fantasy about a caveman or what you would like the ideal <laughs> feminist. Yeah. Um, Listen, I've read some other caveman romances and they are not this good. <laughs> not uh, at all. <laughs> it was weird. It was very weird. There were dinosaurs and I was like, that did not happen. But anyways. But they're so open and so beautiful and they just, yeah. they're so, I think the thing is too, they are so grateful to have anybody in their life. Because they grew up expecting to be alone. Yeah. Because there weren't women in the camp. So they were very much, they were these younger hunters that were like, well, I'm going to be alone. I'm not going to have a family. It's just going to be me and my friends. And then it's like a blessing. And they really treat it like a blessing the entire series. And we we haven't really talked about the bromance of this series yet. really cute. They're all like, everybody's just so, so nice. They're so cute. They really they're appreciate so each other. There's still fights and arguments, but in the end, they all appreciate that they're part of the same tribe and that everybody contribute like has different kind of contributions, even if it's not uh, like hunting. Yeah, I mean, everybody still does their part, and they're still accepted. The only time that they did have to kick somebody out was the really stupid dad, which yeah. fair enough. I'm glad somebody did. And sometimes the characters will get banished, but it's not like a hardcore banishing. So, for instance. Yeah. One guy, one hero kidnaps the heroine because they resonate and he wanted to like force more resonance on her because she was not really into it. it. It all works out in the end and they end up getting banished and she's like, no, I don't want you to leave. And he's like, well, I have to. The chief says I do. And they end up like the chief is really cute and smart and spectral. And he goes, well, you have to be banished two years or until she has her baby and then you can come back. 
<laughs> and so it's like it all works out it's all really comforting like there are some cliffhangers like there's an earthquake the cave collapses the volcano explodes like things happen but you know it's gonna be hea you know there's a happily ever after or happy ever after for now so please please read these books and we are going to go into even more details of our favorite books next podcast. Because there are so many in the series. Jen and I are going to pick like two to three of our favorites and we're going to talk about them. And there's going to be a lot of screaming probably. Yeah, a lot of <sighs> sighing. And oh, that's so cute. Oh my God, I forgot about that. So if you want to hear more, definitely tune in to our next episode. And again, Happy New Year. Happy 2021. We made it, guys. We did, we did it. It was really hard. <laughs> it was really hard. But keep reading, keep raging, and you will hear from us next time. Oh, and don't forget, if you have any questions, comments, concerns, suggestions, email us at ragingromantics at gmail.com. If you have a favorite author you want us to explore or discover, we'd be happy to do that. We got lots of open spots in the next year. Yes. Check us out. Give us a follow on Spotify. We're hopefully going to be on Apple Podcasts soon. And... That's it for the PSA announcements, I think. <laughs> All right. Thanks, guys. Bye. Hey, John!